on this episode of Office Hours, CJ McCollum, Clinton Sparks, Ray J, Ja Rule. I want to make everybody look like all-stars, even if I got to do half your job. It's a lot of space for growth. Have you thought about NFTs with your wine, actually? I have. You don't know what you don't know, so you hire experts. The foundation is business. Know your business. David Meltzer hosts Office Hours. Welcome back to Office Hours. I'm David Meltzer with my incredible host. It's uh, my buddy here, Ed McMahon. Jason Waller, how are you? Good, how are you doing? Jason Waller is the CEO of Power Home Solar and, of course, the top podcast, the True Underdog Podcast. And one of my mentors, Joni Rogers-Conte. She's the founder, chairman, CEO of Senegents. And, of course, there he is, Michael Kralivsky. And he is the founder and CEO of Creatify. And Creatify is the way to create buy and sell NFTs, which we're going to have to talk after the show. And maybe we'll get CJ to comment on NFTs as well. Maybe we'll get him to create one for us and we'll pay for the whole show. That would be amazing. Awesome. <laughs> Our first guest is CJ McCollum, NBA player and founder of McCollum Heritage 91. Out of the bubble, into the league. How are you doing, CJ? I'm doing well, man. I appreciate you shouting me out and bringing me back on the show. Well, you know, I'm going to talk about being a current player and an entrepreneur. You know, it's one thing to make the transition from playing into entrepreneurship, but there's a lot of intention and attention that goes into be one of the NBA greats like you are. But yet, how do you find the time to have a side hustle like McCollum Heritage 91? I think that when you wake up earlier, you're able to get things done. Uh, more things done, especially before noon, uh, whether that's for me. Obviously, I have to train, I have to work out. And also, like you said before, I have a lot of businesses that I'm involved in. So I just try to wake up early and I also hire people who are competent enough and, and smart enough to do the things uh, that I may not be able to do behind the scenes. Um, being able to kind of rely on people is extremely important in this business. You have to have people you trust and you have to also know what you don't know. So I hire experts for a lot of things and they can execute behind the scenes and I can kind of micromanage uh, from afar. That seems to be the theme, right? So CJ, we talk to entrepreneurs on the show and a lot of people that transition, like you're an athlete, to be an entrepreneur, you don't know what you don't know, so you hire experts. That's the best thing you can do to have that humility and to be able to put your pride and ego aside. When did you realize when you were opening up your business that you needed help? And what was that like to find the help? I think in 2016, when I started really diving into wine and started talking about potential partnerships with, with vineyards and, and what that would look like, I called one of my wine advisors, uh, Lloyd Davis out of Sonoma, um, Corner 103, and I, he kind of broke it down. Um, basically saying that, hey, you're, you're a basketball player full time. One of the reasons why this venture will be successful is because of your basketball. So, you know, in a sense, people always say, don't lose track of your, <laughs> your main job, you know, working on your side job. So the better you are at your sport, the easier it will be to sell wine. So I kind of took that to heart and really worked on my craft, but also worked at wine, asking questions, you know, speaking to my winemaker, Gina, kind of going, you know, through the realm of wine, watching documentaries on Netflix, reading books, just kind of diving into it because it's, it's something that you never truly fully understand or know. But before I put my name on something, I want to be able to kind of explain certain things about it. I want to be able to speak to uh, the Pinot Noir that I put out in 2018. And I, I kind of refused to put out other, other wines because I wasn't educated on them. And then I 
learned about rosé. I put a rosé out. I learned about Chardonnay. I put a Chardonnay out, working on a Blanc de Blanc, and kind of went in that approach because, as he said before, I'm a hooper first and foremost, um, but I do love wine, and I understand that my winemaker is, is more of an expert than I am. And Lloyd, who's in the wine business, you know, 15-plus years, is more of an expert than I am. And, and Gary from, from Stoller Vineyards, he's, he's more of an expert than I am. So I rely on all those different people, you know, the same way someone would rely on me to learn about basketball. That's awesome. Well, CJ, what makes your wine, your brand, unique? I think it's authentic. Um, from from the design and the label, this is the rosé uh, we put out a few months ago. Um, my wife actually introduced me to wine, so I put her favorite flower on there, the Anthurium flower. Um, the, the name of it, McCullum Heritage 91, obviously I'm, I'm big on heritage, I'm big on my last name and being able to create a legacy. So that was important for me to incorporate in the wine. I also grew up on Heritage Avenue as a kid. So I think from, from the name of it to the design, to the bottle, to where it's from, you know, obviously be playing in, in Portland for the Portland Trailblazers. I've been exposed to the Chehalem Mountains. I've been exposed to the Willamette Valley. All the way down to the details of what I originally released was volcanic soil, uh, which was the first type of Pinot that I kind of gravitated towards uh, out here in Oregon, you know, tasting Walter Scott's Pinots and being able to go to Walter Scott and, and talk to uh, the winemakers there and the owners there to kind of learn about, you know, why I like volcanic soil. I've been kind of taking that to Gina and saying, hey, out of all the, all the wines I've tasted, I've done blind tastings. We did a blind tasting before I released my Pinot. And I chose all volcanic soils. So we put those three into a blend and that's how I put out my first wine. So it's, it's just all authentic in terms of what I've gone through to where I'm at now. I'm very impressed with how you came from uh, being 5'2 in high school to becoming one of the best NBA players and now <laughs> launching a wine brand and being interested in NFTs. Have you thought about NFTs with your wine actually? I have, and this is fate. This is this is great timing because I've been talking about doing some different things with the wine in the sense of obviously releasing it, uh, kind of marking the order of how many bottles are going to be. Obviously, I kind of control what's released to the public, how many bottles are released to the public. Understanding the importance of me being number three, being able to kind of control the third bottle that goes out. There's so many things that I've thought about doing, but I haven't acted on yet. So we are in the perfect space to discuss this now and later because um, I have thought about it. I have a Pinot actually coming out around my birthday, September. I'll probably release it, you know, either September 17th, two days before my birthday or the Monday after my birthday. Uh, I say great things happen in September, so I consistently try to do that. But I, I'd, I'd love to hear more about ways I can execute this. I also notice and know uh, that you read a lot, which is probably less common than playing uh, esports or gaming while you're on the road or in the bubble. What's your favorite book and why? It's a great question and I haven't read it yet, but it's, <laughs> it's on deck. It's no, on that deck. was staged. So historically, I've gravitated towards Bob Goff. Love Does is, is one of my favorite books of all time just because of what it stands for, what it's about, the process of obviously, you know, his, some of his struggles, some of the things he's gone through, some of the quotes he puts in there, how he references his faith. I gravitated towards Bob Goff very, 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 very early on. So I would say he has one of my favorite books, uh, Ryan Holiday. Um, I believe it's called The The Obstacle is the Way. Uh, that's one of my favorite books. I read that when I was going through some struggles on the basketball court, you know, trying to figure out, you know, how to overcome shooting slumps, time management, balancing family, the kind of the demands of life in general. And he kind of relates a lot of things that I kind of practice now, you know, meditation, uh, obviously, you know, being a, a schedule oriented person where I kind of map out my days, you know, being able to <clears throat> kind of deal with certain traumas that we may go through and, and, and how to kind of overcome some of those things. and. 
I think the stoicism and some of that stuff is is very important to me, and I, I can relate to to those two books for sure. I have a lot of books. Uh, I'm a big, big uh, Malcolm Gladwell fan as well. Uh, I love Malcolm Gladwell. I've, I've read a lot of his books. Have you read Napoleon Hill, Think and Grow Rich? I I have Think and Grow Rich up here, but I haven't read it. It's it's in my to read pile. I love it. We'll put it above Connected to Goodness because I actually went to the Napoleon Hill Foundation to help me write that book because that's how much impact Napoleon Hill and the book that I read every single day has had on my life. So make it the top of your pile. You'll call me and thank me. Maybe you'll send me some free wine even. So put it at the top <laughs> of your pile. Uh, Jason, you got one more question for CJ? Yeah, I would say how hard is it to, you know, when you become an NBA star and you're opening a business and you've got family to balance that. You mentioned, you know, meditation. I mean, you've got a lot of things going on. You're reading a lot. How are you finding time to balance all of that? It's a constant struggle. It's something you never truly master. Um, you just have to kind of make tough decisions. Um, you, you try to be present when you're home. Uh, you try to focus on your career because obviously that allows you to do a lot of things that you wouldn't normally be able to do. Take care of family financially, go on vacations, be able to put th people through college. Those are the type of things you're able to accomplish because of your main job. So you understand the give and take that comes with it and your family understands the give and take that comes with it. But I think from a communication point, I think if you communicate effectively with your friends and family, your loved ones, you kind of allow them to understand the type of life that you not only are currently living, but you want to live forever. They can understand if you miss a family reunion every now and then. They can understand if, if you're not always answering the phone because you have goals that you want to accomplish and, and it includes them, but it also means that you're going to have to miss out on some things. And I've come to accept that. I try to be as present as possible when I'm there. I try to, you know, go visit my grandma, go do those things because I understand the importance of time. But I also understand that um, I have a job to do. I have a job that I signed up for and I committed to. And while I'm able to perform at the highest level possible and, and, and really maximize my earning potential, I'm going to have to sacrifice. So that means, you know, going to sleep at nine or 10. That means getting up at six, you know, working out two, three times a day, still being able to read, still setting up my Zoom calls, still going on vacation, still walking the dog. It's it's hard. And, and sometimes you don't want to do one and you don't want to do the other. But when people truly love you, they'll understand. No better words spoken. The legs feed the lion. I love that you focus in on what gets you there first and have that weighted balance. Uh, between all the various things that you have going on. CJ, we have to do this again. After you read those two books, let me know. I'd love to give you more uh, suggestions uh, to propel you as you are on the right trajectory. CJ McCollum, McCollum Heritage 91, and of course, a superstar in your program and on the court. And Look at that bottle. Court. That bottle's almost as that's big our, as he is. That's oh, our first man. NFT that right bottle. there. Make sure we reach back out to Creatify. <laughs> Thanks so much, CJ. I'm glad to see you out of the bubble. Wow. That was awesome. It's like when I see kids like that, I go, can I adopt you? <laughs> <You're right. laughs> <It's> I'm <laughs> Quality over quantity. That's what he was basically saying with his family, and he's got a, a job to do, but he's in control of his destiny. He's playing a sport he loves. That's his job. He's got the side hustle that he's built into a great business, and he's enjoying time with his family. And as long as you structure a schedule, and it's about quality time over quantity, I think... I think that was a, a great lesson. He clearly understands the significance of the commitment he made mm -hmm. and how many lives it impacts. Yes, yeah. and, yeah. val and he values that over some other things that young people don't, so I was very impressed. Mm -hmm. Yeah, he knows how to prioritize. That's one of the hardest things people struggle with, you know, is, is what, what do we put on top? How do we manage our time? How do we optimize for the maximum results? Yeah, I want to note, you know, hanging around athletes for so long, he is one of the most articulate 
athletes that I've ever worked with and just an impressive young man. I can't wait to see he what reads he does. so much too. You see how many books he's like, I've already, I'm reading yeah. those and I got those to read. He reads like, so much my mm. book wasn't even on the top of his bottle. <laughs> that bo- by the way, that bottle I think would give you a run for what's taller. You are that bottle. <laughs> <laughs> well I'm so excited. We'll be right back with yeah. our next guest here on Office Hours. Next up we've got Clinton Sparks, Grammy nominated multi-platinum producer, DJ songwriter and author. Welcome to Office Hours, Clinton. How are you doing? Thank you very much, David Meltzer. I appreciate being here as your guest on Office Hours. Thank you for having me. (laughs) So, Clinton, I'm going to start with a conversation that we had before. There's certain people that are going to put their judgments or conditions on you. They're going to tell you what you can't do. There's haters out there, and they've been there my entire life. And how have you learned to deal with people that are negative, people that are telling you what you can't do, putting limiting beliefs, limiting uh, obstacles in your way. You're the king of just plowing right through with what you believe. How do you do that? Well, you asked me that question as if like that may be a problem that I have to deal with, when the reality is them not understanding my greatness isn't my problem. (laughs) I love it. Uh, How I've dealt with people that, you know, as you say, haters, which I don't look at them as haters, I just look at them as people that are uninformed, inexperienced, right? With the kind of mind that I have, the way that I operate, the way that I move, the way that I strategize, is really different from most people that I've had experience with, and I haven't been around tons of people around my career. And I notice there's a small amount of people that kind of think uh, on the frequency that I think of, and when I think I think like this, I don't think like this. Right, and, and people don't understand that mentality. They don't understand how I can do so many things at once. They don't understand how I can do them well and not drop the ball and say that I'm spreading myself too thin because they simply can't do it. So I don't look at it as like they're hating on me or they don't believe. I just look at it like they don't get it. They haven't had this experience. So let me show them so that they can now understand in the future, oh, you must be like Clinton Sparks. You got some energy. I love energy. I, I see that. Is that a roadcaster next to you? You're hitting the little buttons? Yes, it is. Get familiar. Oh, oh, awesome. I love it. Mine doesn't do all those things, though. I got one for the podcast. But let's talk about, you nice. mentioned haters, and, and it's their problem that, that you're on a great mindset and that you're able to do the things you want to do and that, that you think that you're great and they think that you're not. I look at haters as, as fuel. How many times right. has your success turned someone who didn't believe in you, someone who didn't like you, to somebody that's either working with you, for you, or a friend? Or a fan? Uh, well, almost every time. Um, uh, there's, there's only one person that comes to mind that uh, I think of in my mind that I won't say out loud. I pretty much turn people around all the time if they doubt me. I mean, here's the thing. Most people don't doubt how, how great I may be at something. Uh, they, they fear it. Uh, it's insecurity. Uh, look, I, I can't tell you how many times I've worked with people where you know, because of the way I just describe how I operate, they don't understand that it might outshine them or it might make them not look like they're as great as they are because why is this guy who's maybe underneath you or oh, we should be dealing with him mm-hmm. Well, he's the guy with all the great ideas. Uh, so like they try to like suppress you. Um, so you can't really like, you can't really hide dope. You know, dope floats, right? So if you're dope, it's gonna come up. People are gonna find out. There's no way that you can hold down this greatness or contain awesome. It just can't happen, right? Dope floats. I love dope. that. I thought it meant something else. <laughs> dope floats. I love that. Way back when, how did you begin to put the pieces together to build the team or create the, uh, the buzz that you needed to get people to support you and jump on board, to help support you well, and your vision? 
Well, I'll say, so I wrote a new book and it's called How to Win Big in the Music Business, right? And I say in this book uh, that when I started out, like I naively thought that I was going to win regardless. I didn't even think I could lose, right? So when I, you know, when you come from, you know, the bottom and you come from trying to survive and you come from always trying to prove yourself and you got the, hey, dad, look, I hit a home run syndrome, right? Like you don't even... You, you don't even think it like, I, what if I lose? Or I might lose. Your mentality is like, how do I win? There's never been a goal in my entire life that I haven't achieved, put it that way, because I'm not gonna stop until I get it done. And I'll figure out how to get it done. And I don't need you to help me get there. And there's nothing you can do that's gonna stop me. So it's in your best interest to just roll with me because we're gonna do it together and we can all celebrate and high five together. And I don't even care if I did most of the work. You're gonna get equal credit that I did because guess what? I'm all about being a part of an all-star team. I don't wanna just be the all-star on a bum team. I wanna make everybody look like all-stars even if I gotta do half your job. <laughs> well, I want him on my team. Yeah. Me too. <laughs> exactly. and, and that's actually exactly where I was going. You know, I've had the pleasure and I'm, I'm very humbled to have worked with Clinton over a variety of businesses. And this guy is an A-list player. This guy has brought in some of the biggest names in the industry to our companies together. We, you know, we thrived at times. It was absolutely amazing. And you know, I can't say enough good things about Clinton Sparks. You know, I wanted to hear your thoughts because you're, you're always the, the early idea guy. You're always the innovator. You're always on the, on the cutting edge of like what's cool and what's new and what could help change the universe. And so, you know, we, we started uh, building, um, you know, an NFT solution about four or five years ago. And, you know, it just so happens that this January, it, it blows up. And I've been dying to hear your thoughts and I, and I wanted to connect. And I was like, you know, what? I'm going to wait for the show because I saw your name on it and hear your thoughts uh, on NFTs. I'm all for new uh, ways of people being able to capitalize on their IP, new ways of people figuring out uh, how to create more revenue streams. Um, I think there's a lot of flaws. I think that there's still a lot of holes and kinks that need to be worked out. I, I have a lot of answers for that. And that would take longer than probably the 30 seconds I have to answer this question. But uh, I guess to sum it up, I'm all for new ways, especially for artists and people that work really hard and celebrities. I'm sure brands will get into it too, that people that have an affinity for a brand or real cookie one day will probably have an NFT, you know what I mean? Hot wheels, like everybody will just, anything that you can think of that you like that's part of culture or that's nostalgic or means something to culture will have NFTs. So I'm sure as we figure it out, there'll be more ways of capitalizing on it and people winning and we'll figure out what the bad sides of it are and fix them. I can't wait to buy the NFT of Office Hours with Clinton Sparks. Give me some sound. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Thank you. I see you have a crowd there for me today. Yeah. They're probably going to leave by the time Ray J and Ja Rule come, but they're here for me, so thank you yeah. for coming in. Uh, the incredible Clinton Spark sparking up our life. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you. You're awesome, man. Nice Bye. to meet Bye. you guys. Thanks, David. Great You're the best. To see you. Our next guest is Ray J, co-founder and chief strategy officer of Raycon. My man, Ray J, co-founder and chief strategy officer of Raycon Global, bringing the music to office hours. How are you, my friend? Hey, my brother, how are you, man? Good to see you. I was so excited to talk to you here on office hours because a lot of people have predetermined uh, ideas about what someone's like. And you're one of those people that blew me out of the water when I met you because you are full of integrity, character, and an entrepreneur spirit that is very rare to find. And I, like I said, I, I love what you're doing at Raycon. You are in a crowded space, but when you are in a crowded space, you have to differentiate yourself. And usually it's the entrepreneur that does that. What do you think it is that differentiates yourself 
with Raycon compared to all the other you know headsets out there? Well, I think we got in early. I think it was, uh, you know, we're a four year company. And I think at the time, you know, the over the ear headphones was kind of booming. And uh, we just took a different approach. And um, for me, it was all about the price point as well, because, you know, our, our products, you know, have the highest quality, but the price point is much better than the competition, you know? So for me, I just wanted to make sure we made a product for the people, um, make sure the prices was right, man, because you can, you can get some high quality, great earbuds, but you don't have to pay, you know, triple the price of what they really cost. So I just think our price point and then our, you know, our marketing template, has been working, just tapping in with the people. And it passed the kids test in my house because I got a pair and they were stolen immediately. So you know they have high quality when it's not the 53 year old loving them, it's the 11, 17, 20 and 22 year olds that are stealing them. So they're great stuff. Yeah, and it's, and it's for us, you know, for me, it's about upgrading and about making sure every, you know, six months, every year, you know, when we drop our new products or, our, you know, our new versions of, of, of the earbuds, they just get better and better. It's like a 1983 Mercedes Benz and a 2021. It's just two different worlds, right? So every year, you know, it's just important for me to continue to upgrade the product, continue to make it better, continue to make the customers happy. Uh, congratulations. What a great success. I have to pry the earbuds out of my 13-year-old every single night to get him to go to sleep. Uh, anyway, congratulations on your InMotion account. Thank you. I'm really excited about InMotion because we, we really hit the ground running with InMotion. We're doing extremely well. We want to do more. I want to show up at stores in the airport. I want to show up at, you know, different places for, you know, for them as well as for us. So we're really excited about the future with us and InMotion. InMotion, what up? It's a lot of space for growth. I was, uh, I, I'm a recent fan of your brand and I just, I saw the stats today where there's been over a hundred million revenue in, in three, four years. And I'm just thinking about how big of a Goliath Apple is and how, you know, their AirPods are like the, one of the biggest chunks of new revenue for them um, and most profitable. And I, I mean, I would love to pick your brain on some of the early challenges you had going to market because I think that's really exciting. Yeah, I think for me, um, I've always had great relationships with uh, with a lot of different celebrities and influencers. Um, and so that's always been an extra plus when you get me involved with the marketing, because a lot of my friends always, um, you know, they tell me what to do better. They give me advice. Um, they help me along the way. I mean, look, we started with 13 SKUs with Raycon Global and it narrowed down to the earbuds because that's what everybody was really going for. And so for us, you know, our challenge was, okay, let's make all the other products go away, right? And mm. let's only focus on earbuds because that's what people want from us. And so, you know, that was the first challenge. And then the second challenge was really just continuing to stay in everybody's face, continuing to make sure that we had the price point that worked, continue to make sure the customers were happy. I mean, customer service is everything. So we, we pride ourselves in making sure we reach back out to the customer if they're, if they're happy or if they, you know, need extra service. You know, we, we had to make sure we tap into the customer. So, um, you know, the challenges every day was that. But again, like we hit the ground running. We started doing really well, um, especially when we added on our CMO from Hong Kong. Um, he really helped us drive it with the marketing um, just overall from the acquisition side. Um, and, and brand awareness as well. So, um, you know, we had a few challenges on, along the way, just like every business, but um, we were able to work through them and continue to work, work it. And uh, look, we got a long way to go, but the machine is running. I love that you've built the business and you have over 100 million in revenue now. And I love that you said you had 13 SKUs and you changed it just to the AirPods, which I think if you make pizza, 
You don't need to make pizza and chicken and burgers. It doesn't make sense. You focus on making pizza you and make the me? best pizza. I feel you. I feel you. So that I think entrepreneurs need to hear because they always try to have a big menu. And when you have a menu of items, you can't do something great. You just do a lot of things good. I love that. What kind of struggles yeah, yeah. did you have during COVID, during the pandemic, the last you know 18 months? Did it hurt your business? What adjustments did you do as an entrepreneur to make sure that your business and your employees were taken care of? Well, first off, my heart goes out to everybody that went through something in COVID. Um, I know a lot of people lost some great people. We did too. Um, so my, my condolences and heart goes out to everything that happened in the COVID pandemic. And we're still in it. Um, for us, being that we're earbuds and that people were at home, you know, we saw we saw an increase. We started to do better during COVID. Um, but we ran into like inventory issues a lot because, you know, a lot of people wanted the product. So, you know, getting the inventory here um, started to become an issue for us, but we were able to work through it. Um, but we saw a big increase during the pandemic and um, we were our, our main, you know, goal was to make sure we get it out to all the customers so they could have some earbuds, so they could have some products at home, you know, while they were going through um, just going through the pandemic. So we did see a jump. Um, and it was just on us to make sure we could um, handle it, you know, handle the handle the orders and make sure our inventory was there for people when they wanted it. Ray J, thank you so much for joining us. It's always a privilege. We learn so much and we only pray for your happiness and success, which will be guaranteed. We continue to do the things that you're doing now. Come join us again. Thank you so much. Thank you. Bye-bye. Thank you. Thank love, you. Love, love, everybody. Love, love, love. love. Appreciate it. God bless. Wow. Again. What an episode. Everyone's so different, but yet there's common threads of success. And one of them is believing in what you do and providing value to others. And it's that simple. And he cares about his customer. He brought up customer service four or five times. You'll have a lot of entrepreneurs that don't pay attention to that stuff. You know, I've been guilty of that early in my career of like, oh, you got to have that middle part of the business that's important. Not just the sales part, not just the installation or, or getting them the product part, but the middle part, you know, holding that customer's hand. He cared about that. And he's focused on one thing, not several things in his business, which has allowed him to grow so fast. Well, we are learning and loving and finding the light here on Office Hours. We have one more guest left here on Office Hours. I'm excited to hear from our next guest, Ja Rule, musician, songwriter, actor, and entrepreneur. Ja Rule, my friend. Welcome from the golf courses. I, I know they're called mulligans on the golf course, uh, but in life, it's very rare that we get a mulligan. And uh, you and I both have been blessed. We've been blessed with mulligans. So I, I was hoping that you could share with us a critical mulligan in your life where you were given a second chance and how you turned things around when you were offered that opportunity. Man, I, this probably, I, I didn't have a few mulligans here, you know. <laughs> Listen, man, you know, a wise guy, old wise guy once told me, man, that you live life in cycles. He told me how the cycles go. It was like from your 20s, from, from the birth to your 20s, to your 20s, to your 40s. So I guess I'm in my second cycle right now, in your 40s to your 60s and, and, and 60s to death. <laughs> which, is, which is the cycle, I guess, we don't, we don't want to enter, and nobody wants to enter that cycle. But, you know, um, yeah, man. I've been some, through some things in my life. Second chances are, are, are things that you have to take. You have to take your second chances. Nobody gives them to you. And I think that's the misconception. You know, I think people think that, you know, second chances are given. And they're not. And so you have to co really go out and prove to everybody that, you know, 
I'm that guy that you thought I was. I'm worthy of everything that I that I'm putting in front of you. And 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 you know, it's it's tough sometimes, you know. But hey, man, as the saying goes, I can show you better than I can tell you. You know. Listen, I'm a fan. I holla, holla. I gotta hear you do it once. <laughs> I gotta hear you do it. Hey, holla. <laughs> oh, I love it. You're on the golf course. You know, you're living it up. Part of the song, right? And you, you're, you're in that second cycle. Okay. But being an entrepreneur and doing other things, one thing you accomplished recently is you went back to Harvard Business School online and accomplished that. Yes. How cool yes. is that to say, look, in this second cycle, something I didn't do in that first cycle, I went back and did that. And how important is that to you? It was super important to me, you know, because I'm such a stickler when it comes to education on my kids. And, you know, from me being a high school dropout and then having to go get my GED and then going back to school and going back, you know, and, and, and going to Harvard, take my online courses and stuff like that. That that's all to show my kids that it's never too late to, you know, achieve. It's never too late to go live live out your dreams or, you know, do the things that you are interested in doing. A lot of opportunities wasn't wasn't presented to me when I was younger. You know, education was one of those opportunities, a, a good education. I took the opportunity to go make money over, you know, going to finish high school or going to college because that was more important for me, you know, to make sure that my family was, you know, taken care of. And so sometimes, you know, those things, it plays out backwards, you know, but um, I like to say sometimes God takes you all the way around the corner just, just to get you next door. But um, in my in my in my case, I feel like that's that's it rings true in in so many ways, you know. Yeah, that's inspirational. It's great. Well, John, uh, according to your cycle description, I'm in my third. <laughs> looking forward to fourth <laughs> and fifth. Um, but during this cycle, we're helping to rebuild the town. I'm restoring a 1950s drive-in theater with a big stage, and I hear that I you have it. a new app. What's your new app called? And can I book some talent on that app to come to uh, the stage and entertain this town that we're restoring? Absolutely. My new app icon, you know, is really breaking the mold on, on what, how we look at live streaming platforms. Uh, I call icon a live streaming marketplace because it's really about content creators monetizing their content instead of giving it away. And, and, you know, I took it a step further and, and you're able to book artists on, on Icon and book them for live shows or book them for meet and greets, you know, or just to say hi to the kids and wish them luck on, on the big game or happy anniversary or birthday to the wife or whatever. So, you know, we, we, we've created a lot of opportunities for content creators to monetize their, their brand. That, that's amazing. So, Ja, on that topic, um I love the business model, um, and I, ha I have to ask this burning question. Have you thought about people being able to purchase NFTs, digital collectibles from these celebrities through your platform? <laughs> I don't want to give away uh, what I'm about to do, but I'm, I'm, I'm bringing an aspect to Icon that's really, really cool. I also have a company called Flipkick, and we do what we call physical NFTs, where we uh, cryptographically you know, authenticate physical artworks, which is really cool. You know, nobody's really doing that right now except for our company. And, and we also have a, a, patent, a patent pending on that uh, technology. So, you know, hopefully we'll, we'll get the patent. But it's so important right now for artists to understand that, you know, NFTs and the way that they're structured 
it's a game changer, you know? For artists to be able to, you know, be paid a royalty in perpetuity for their for their work, it's something that artists have never been able to, you know, touch or, or, or receive. Amazing, so, so glad to hear that. I saw that you had like a 122K sale of an art NFT for fire. And I was like getting pumped. Yeah, I was hoping- my fire painting. Yeah, people are very infatuated still with fire. I don't know why, but <laughs> they, 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 uh, you know, <laughs> they're intrigued with the old event still. I've had guys recently come to me about doing my documentary. They even spoke to me about doing Fire Festival too, and I said, "Hey, slow down, guys. Slow down." <laughs> <laughs> you know, Jabu, I want to you know, explore one thing. Since you kind of reversed engineered your education, doing it backwards, where I grew up with a mom, you know, doctor, lawyer, failure. My siblings went to Harvard right out of high school and Wharton and Columbia. But I always wonder if I would have done it backwards, being an entrepreneur, you know, making money early and not going to school. If I had an opportunity to go back to school after I learned the lessons of emotional intelligence, adaptable intelligence and entrepreneurship, what courses would mean the most to me or what courses I would choose. So what, what course was it that had the most value? My favorite thing is business. And, and if you don't know your business, you, you get taken advantage of. So, you know, I, I push my kids, whatever their dreams are, whatever their, you know, aspirations are as, as, as youth, youthful, young, just, you know, wild dreamers. I always tell them the foundation is business. Know your business. Know your business, know your math, make a profit, be passionate and purposeful. And that's what I love about you, passion, purpose, and profit. You know, math math was always one of my favorite subjects in school. I always said, listen, you can't make money if you can't count it, right? (laughs) (laughs) Say hi to my friends there at the golf course. You have been a gentleman and a Harvard scholar by joining us. (laughs) Thank you so much, Ja Rule. Thank you, Ja Rule. Thank you, Ja. Thank you. Hey, Dave, you know I love you, man. You're my brother from another. You much love it. to you, man, and much success on your new show, man. It's really, really dope. All right, we have the incredible Ja Rule, musician, songwriter, actor, friend, entrepreneur, and math scholar here on Peace Office out. Hours. Thanks for joining us. And, Thank you. And, and, and golfer. And golfer. And golfer. <laughs> Look out, Tiger Woods. He's injured. Look out. Here he comes. Tiger Woods. <laughs> <laughs> He's on fire. <laughs> oh, man. I love this show. I love that guy. I love oh, all of our guests. Good. And I love my hosts. Like, I didn't finish traditional high school. I didn't go to college. I've contemplated, like, should I just go back, you know, because it's important to show my kids that. And a part of me wants to. It's a demon I fight, you know, for that. And a part of me is like, well, you know, is it necessary right now? You know, because the way traditional school's done now, a lot of the things you were just talking about, they don't benefit people. You know, I think some of that needs to change. And, you know, but I admire him, and I think that that's really cool he went and did that Me so too. his family can see that. that that's cool. Uh, that was great. Um, you know, you can tell he's 100% authentic, and, yeah. and everything he says is, is, is just comes from his heart and soul. Mm-hmm. And he's, that's how he's created his success from being a great person and a leader and someone that wants someone that people also want to gravitate towards and be around well which i see in my vantage point here likes attract likes although physically you three look very different and i'm sure joni's like thank goodness um (laughs) but moreover i am just so grateful to have such extraordinary hosts with me the questions you asked and the curiosity and creativity were extraordinary i know that all of the audience is going to appreciate the lessons they learned from these great entrepreneurs as well. This is David Meltzer with Office Hours.
Thanks for watching this week's episode of Office Hours. And a special thank you to our featured co-hosts and guests for joining today's episode. See you next week on Office Hours.